0: Charlie Yates died last week. Charlie Yates was a professor at Virginia Tech who also completed his undergraduate degree there in the 1950s along with thousands of other people, but Yates deserved a special article in the Roanoke Times because he was one of the first black students to attend this mostly white school. The newspaper called him a pioneer, one who risks something different and probably scary Eddie Rickenbacker, remember him? Some of you older ones, World War I, Ace. Some of you who could also remember Neil Armstrong. Courage is doing what you're afraid to do, he said. There can be no courage unless you're scared. So Charlie Yates, even as a high school valedictorian, it took some courage for him to apply to Virginia Tech. It took courage for him to stay there when all he could do was go to classes. Virginia laws prohibited him from living on campus or even eating on campus. In the Roanoke Times article, Tech President Charles Steger said, Charlie was a pioneer among young black Virginians in the 1950s. He helped knock down barriers at Virginia Tech that opened the door, opened the doors for others to follow. The writer of the book of Hebrews offers us an extensive list of people who opened the doors for others to follow. The early part of Hebrews 11, we didn't read that today, but it summarizes the stories of Abel and Noah, and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses' parents and Moses. And then today's passage, it continues on. Today's passage gives us Rahab and Gideon and Barak and Samson and others. These men and women were pioneers in our faith. They were well known to the Jewish followers of Jesus, and we can read their stories in the Hebrew Testament. But the writer doesn't stop with names that we know. He tells stories he tells of stories that most of us haven't read, stories that are in the, um, the Apocrypha, they're in the intertestamental times, that those centuries in between when the Old Testament and the New Testament were, were written. These unnamed witnesses suffered, suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. Do you realize why we moved the Scripture to after the children's sermon today? Since early days of Christianity, baptism has represented death and resurrection, among other things. But when people early were baptized, they took the death part seriously. They knew that when they descended into the water, they died to their old life. It was over. And I'm sorry, I can't remember who said this. But they pointed out, if they had already died once, then what else is there to fear? A condemned prisoner awaiting execution was granted the usual privilege of choosing what he wanted to eat for his last meal, and the only thing that he wanted was mushrooms. And the guard said, why all the mushrooms and nothing else, and the prisoner said, well, I always wanted to try them, but I was afraid to eat them before. So mocking, flogging, being stoned to death, being sawn in two, that was the attitude. Hey, I'm already dead. What can they do to me now? What do I need to fear? These people suffered courageously for their faith, as do Christians in other nations today. If you look, especially on the Internet, you can find story after story of people who remain pioneers in the Christian faith, people who give us courage when we read their stories, people who remind us of how fortunate we are to live in a country where there is religious freedom. And so, a question that this passage brings to mind is, what gives people such courage and hope and perseverance in the face of such hostile opposition? One answer is that it's faith in God's promises. We have the image we're given in Isaiah for example of the lion and the lamb, predator and prey, cuddling up and taking a nap together. Today It might be former enemies sitting across from each other in poofy chairs and drinking coffee together. Heaven is a place where border guards are unnecessary, where poor and rich feast at the same table. People of faith can imagine that kind of peace here and now and commit their lives to working for it. Faith, you know, we typically think of faith as a set of religious beliefs, I have faith, that, so and so. But really, faith is action. Jesus didn't express his faith by staying at the temple, learning the laws. He did that when he was 12. When he 30, he was acting out the faith he had learned. Despite the fact that some in the religious establishment were trying to trap him, despite the threat of execution. Is this then the kind of guy in whom we want to risk putting our faith? Do we want to risk being the strange one among our friends who leaves a Saturday night party early so we can make it to church the next day? Do we want to risk not doing some things well so we can spend that time distributing food to the poor? Do we, like Martin Luther King Jr., risk involving ourselves in political action to try to correct injustices? The faith pioneers whose stories we know did not sit back and watch change happen. They made change happen. They had a vision of God's promises, of God's kingdom come on earth. This vision gave them courage so that in the face of peer pressure, in the face of hostility, in the face of humiliation, ignoring the insults and the pain, they put feet to their faith. We've all heard the phrase that there is strength in numbers and in this passage, we have strength in numbers. Those who have finished the race of faith continue to cheer us on as we run. Imagine running, or walking fast, on a long, straight Texas road. And I say Texas because we don't have long, straight roads in Virginia. There are no cars on the road But there are lots of people lined up along the edge, Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebecca, Jacob and Leah and Rachel. There are Moses and Daniel and David and Rahab and Ruth and Naomi. There are Harry Gamble and Arlene Stoller and the people who are memorialized under these windows. There are your great-grandparents and your grandparents and parents and aunts and uncles who have finished the race of faith, but are now on the sidelines cheering for you and cheering for us. And with that image, here again the conclusion of today's passage. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also, In Washington, D.C., on June 20th, 1803, Thomas Jefferson wrote a letter to Meriwether Lewis Esquire, captain of the 1st Regiment of Infantry of the United States of America. In it, he wrote, the object of your mission is to explore the Missouri River and such principal stream of it as by its course and communication with the waters of the Pacific Ocean, whether the Columbia the Oregon, Colorado, or any other river, may offer the most direct and practicable water communication across this continent for the purpose of commerce. Like Lewis and Clark, our walk of faith is often into unknown and potentially hostile territory. And so we are grateful for the cloud of witnesses, and we respect the way that they put their faith into action. Now, it's our turn. Our turn to look to Jesus and become faith pioneers for those who follow behind us. A Sunday school teacher or preacher can't serve a life of faith to us on a silver platter. A book from a self-help section may take us a step or two, but only that. The risky life of faith has to be something that we want. It has to be something for which we're willing to work and persevere. Ken Himpill said, faith can never be exercised by proxy. You must actively develop it yourself. Spiritual growth begins when we move beyond the futile attempts to grow passively and start actively engaging our faith. And he quotes Howard Hendricks. There's no such thing as a correspondence course for swimming, right? If you want to learn to swim, you have to get into the pool. In the same sense, proactive faith requires getting wet, It requires looking ahead and seeing the goal from a distance, like Lewis and Clark working consistently toward the Pacific coast, or Moses working toward freedom from Egypt, or Mary, mother of Jesus, helping to mold her son Jesus into the Redeemer. At my physical last week, the doctor was gently reprimanding me for my lack of aerobic exercising, he had been recently to a conference on preventive medicine and was touting the loads of research and preaching the benefits, because someone has to preach to the preacher, of 30 minutes of aerobic exercise five days a week. Well, I added up this time in my head and looked at him like he's crazy. And he pointed out to me, he obviously recognized that look, and and he pointed out to me that it has to do with setting priorities and looking ahead. How often do I want to be visiting him in 20 years, 30 years, 40 years? I like my doctor, but not that much. So if I look way ahead down that long, straight Texas road, what do I want to see? If I want to feel, feel healthy then, then? I've got to make some changes now. If I want to be able to play on the floor with my grandchildren and not worry about whether I can get up, I need to make some changes in my lifestyle today. And I need to find ways to stick with them. Nobody else can do it for me. We can't exercise by proxy, and our faith can't grow by proxy. Faith grows only as we consistently look to Jesus as the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So we spend time reading the Gospels. We worship together. We pray. We question what we see and hear. We prioritize our lives with Jesus at the forefront. And that in itself gives us courage to do what we could not do alone. Jesus is our pioneer. Like Charlie Yates courageously opened the door for black students at Virginia Tech, Jesus has opened the door of faith in action for us. He knew what awaited him at the finish line, or better yet, he knew who awaited him at the finish line, and the hope of that joy helped him to endure the shame of the cross. Courage is, being, is doing what you're afraid to do. Back to the Rickenbacker quote. There can be no courage unless you're scared. So this week, pay attention to what scares you. When you feel scared, call on Jesus and imagine him facing your fear with you. And see whether that gives you a shot of courage. Josh Billings said, Consider the postage stamp. Its usefulness consists in the ability to stick to one thing until it gets there. So what do we want to stick to? Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So let us pray for courage to do so. Lord our God, we thank you for Jesus and for the way he pioneered the way to you for us. Grant us his courage as we seek to follow you and him this week. In his name we pray. Amen.